This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Let's take two questions and then we start. Quick two questions. One and two. Hands up. No questions? Good. Huh? One. Good. Uh, after you pray 15 minutes, you run out of things to say. What do you say? Misconceptions in our habitual prayer, routine prayer. We think that prayer is about talking. You pray means you say. Prayer, you cannot hear yet? No. Yeah, pray for the power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Prayer, let's see. Prayer, it's a dialogue. Amen. Number one. Number two, still within the first misconception. That's point A, and then we'll go to point B. Point A, number one. Prayer, it's a dialogue. Number two, is the breath of the soul. Number three, is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Now, when we pray, because we pray the same thing every day, when we finish what we usually say, we are out of words. If I would do that with my wife and say the same words every day, she would not be very happy, and neither would I. (laughs) But if you talk to God and listen, I hate to say, but this is not his or his or her or whatever problem. We all suffer of routine prayers. We all, I catch myself often doing that. We all suffer of that. But if prayer, instead of being the same prayer, kind of the same ideas, the same words, the same request every day, if prayer becomes the opening of the heart, where you have an open, honest, relevant discussion and you express all your feelings and thoughts. Sometimes we try to protect God from our feelings. That doesn't make any sense. God doesn't need protection and God knows your feelings. You need to be open and honest. See Job. Job tells God how he feels. And the words are respectful but not very nice. You remember? Cursed be the day when I was born. You remember? Why do you do that to me? He expressed how he felt. Prayer is when you express all your feelings. If you are open and honest and talk to God about what you go through, about how you feel. However, you don't spend a lot of time to focus on the negatives. But then you say, okay, this is where I am. I'm seeking you. And you switch to focusing on God instead of focusing on feelings, then prayer becomes real. But you just need to have an open, honest conversation. I don't remember anybody that has a good friendship that to tell their friend always the same thing. They have a fresh discussion. 
and they talk about anything and everything, and they can talk the whole night. So, number one, prayer should be that way. Number two, I said, prayer is a dialogue. When you pray, if you also listen, not only talk, it changes a little the picture. Why? <clears throat> Think about it. We never listen. In society and in prayer. People talk to you, you talk to them, and meanwhile, instead of being listening, they are either thinking somewhere or thinking how to answer. And before you finish, they, they start to answer. And they have no clue what you go through. Because people don't really listen and make sure that they got what you said, regardless if you are right or wrong. They try to tell you what they think. It doesn't matter if you are right or wrong. They first need to understand where you are. What you go through, make sure that they got the question or the statement and then give an opinion or try to help or at least say, hey, I, I feel for you, I will pray for you. Let's pray together. People never listen. We don't know how to listen. We always talk, 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 talk. Prayer is a dialogue all over the Bible from, Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation. God, again and again, I have four pages of Bible verses and another about ten pages of paragraphs in my briefcase where it talks about listening to God, hearing his voice, understanding his will, knowing his plan, listening. In the morning, he, Isaiah chapter 5, he awakes what? My ear, not my mouth. He awakes my ear to listen as a disciple listens. When do we do that? And then people jump from the tak, 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 extreme to the oriental meditation stupidity. I'm sorry. Oh, if you focus on the middle eye, you must be crazy. I don't have a middle eye. If you focus on nothing and empty your brain, you brainwash yourself and you can be hypnotized and anybody can do whatever to you. God called you to think, not to empty your brain. God gave you a brain, use it. The Bible talks about meditation. Day and night I meditate, but it gives you the object of the meditation. It doesn't say at nothing. I meditate in vain. It says day and night I meditate upon your law, your word. Ellen White says, contemplate, reflect, meditate on God, his law, his word, his sacrifice, his last week of life. You remember? There are plenty of paragraphs. There are plenty. I have several with me. God gives you the object of your meditation. You fix your eyes not on nothing but on God. When you do that, God talks to you too. We don't even know how that happens. But it is in the Bible. God talked to Abraham. God talked to Joseph. God talked to Daniel. God talked to Moses. God talked to... Always. But it never happens to us. Why? Did God change? Or you don't know how to pray. God wants to tell you what to do. When do you listen? And that's number two. And number three. And I'm going to tell you how to listen. Number three. If I don't forget Number three, <laughs> when you pray, because we have routine prayers, we get used to the prayers, 
and our mind doesn't focus and goes crazy thinking about soccer or food or job or nothing. But if you realize who you are talking with, that you go in the presence of the Most High, you cannot think different directions and you cannot think about you anymore. Everyone in the Bible, before they pray, they tell themselves who they are talking with and they say, Lord, you are the God of the universe. You are the creator. You split the sea before us. You gave us food in the wilderness. You, and they go on and on, not reminding God because he has a short memory who he is, but reminding themselves who they go into his presence, who they are addressing. Do you follow me? You need to make sure that you realize that you go into God's presence in the Most High where angels cover themselves and they sing day and night, holy, holy, holy. And you need to realize you go into his presence, the Most High, the Most Holy. And then you don't talk nonsense. You are afraid. You think about what you say. You follow me? They go into God's presence. They all collapse. Ezekiel, Daniel, John, they all drop down and get blind and have no power and they have to be touched so they are able to walk again. We go into God's presence and we are just fine. That tells me that we don't go into God's presence. Do you follow me? Why? One of the problems also, we go in hurry. Ellen White says, Hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual growth. You cannot go in God's presence and hurry. It's an offense, she says. When you go, set time aside and spend time. Don't go in the most holy place and rush out before you get to hear God, before you get to understand, before he can co you can connect with him, before you listen. And she says, we miss the growth and the blessings. Because we hurry, set time aside to spend with God quality time if you want quality relationship. Okay, now that was all A. Let's go to B. When you talk about what do you say? Because we pray generic prayers, we run out of words. Lord, be with the poor, be with the gospel, be with my family and, and help us and bless us and ta-ta-ta, amen. Prayer where he says that we should pray with supplication, that's the English word. The Greek word is different and it's translated literally, specifically. We should pray specifically, not generic. That means that you don't say, Lord, be with the poor. But you take somebody by name and say, Lord, my neighbor John lost his job and his wife is in hospital. And you start talking specifically. You don't say, Lord, be with my kids today. You say, Lord, my kids have an exam. They need to drive to school. They need to, you are specific. You don't ask forgiveness. Oh, forgive my sins. That's baloney. You are specific. Lord, I criticized or judged somebody. Please forgive me and change me. You don't say thank you for everything and for all the blessings. That's nothing. You say, Lord, I was desperate. I could not find my wallet. I left from Walmart and I had the wallet when I went there. And I don't have it when I got home. And you are very specific. You don't pray generic prayers. 
You don't pray about people, may the gospel be preached, but you take this name and labor and take that name and labor and take that name. And, you follow me? When you do that, trust me, if you have only a list of 15 people and you labor over each one as they were your kids, it's going to take you two hours, the list. Just try to spend time with each item specifically. And that's another problem. We say we want prayer in our life, but when we hear that, we say, nah, that takes too long. Because we are not committed yet to prayer. When you are committed and you are specific, prayer takes time regardless if you like it or not. You, you, you want to make it short and you cannot. Because if you go in detail over each subject and each person and each name and everyone that is poor and every neighbor and everyone in the family and everyone in the church, trust me, then when somebody gives you another name on the list, you say, man, he's going to add another 15 minutes. A name. <laughs> then when you say that you care for people and love people and just say, be with John, you really don't care. Because if your son had a car accident and he was dying, you will not say, be with my son in hospital. And then move to the next name. You would pray two hours over your son, the list. Do you follow me? And so when you are specific and labor over the name, that's when you care. Because you invest time and energy in that name. You start putting your soul into that name and you start caring. And that's how you start loving people. You invest in them and that's how you invest. You first invest time in prayer and labor with God and say, please. I'm not going to let you go before you work for that person. And that takes time. So then prayer doesn't take 15 minutes. Do you understand? That's the prayer that gets results. How would God care for your prayer if you don't care for your prayer? And so, I think I gave you more than you bargained for. But... Honest question, honest answer. Honestly, we all suffer of that. Because it's easy to do duty prayer and feel good that we did the prayer and the study and move on and still focus on our life. To do real prayer means that you wake up at 5 or 4 or, or 3 and you spend time with God and ask him what to pray for and then you go one by one specifically and you stay focused, and you realize that you talk to God, and all this stuff takes time. <clears throat> that, gets, that gets answers. There was another hand here, somewhere. Okay? How do you make God your priority? Oh. We should first, really, you may want to love God, but we don't have it in us. Our nature is selfish. We don't love God and we don't love people. And we tell ourselves that we do to lie ourselves or we honestly think we do and we have no clue how we are. But when you go in God's presence... You cannot change yourself. You don't have the power. It takes a creation miracle to change a nature, to change a heart. You can control a little, not always, your external behavior, but have no power to change your heart. It takes a creation miracle to die and be born again, though you are old. 
You follow me? So when you go to God and you say, Lord, please make me new. And then you say, Lord, help me love you and love people. When you do that, that's not a one-time prayer. That's a lifetime prayer. And so if you do it and you see no answers and you quit, you will never get there. But if you keep doing it every day, first and secondly, if you ask God, help me know you, seek God, search for God, thirst for God. Say, Lord, put me the passion to know you and to love you. Help me desire you. The more you pray that prayer, the closer you get to God. The promise is in Jeremiah 29. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let myself be found. The promise in James 5, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Ellen White explains that that's a process. And she says, the more we seek him, the closer we get to him. And then in a different paragraph, she says, the closer we get to him and see how he is, we realize how we are compared to him. And then she says, those that get close to him see themselves the greatest sinners. They become humble and they feel a disparate need of God. So if you don't feel that disparate need and feel that you are the greatest sinner, it means that you are not close to God because when you are close to him, that's the way you see yourself. And so the more you pray, the more he answers, the more he answers, the more you know him. The more you know him and understand how he works. Understand that you sinned and then you prayed and then you sin again and then you prayed and then he knows that you'll do it again tomorrow. And nevertheless, he answered. You say, whoa, if it was me, I would strike him. I would kill him. When you understand how patient and how forgiving and how gracious and how he works and how wise and how merciful and how... The more you understand, the more you are in shock. And the more you love him and the more you realize how selfish and how bad you are. The more you do that, the more you love God and love people. And you don't know, but two, five, ten years down the road, you look back and you realize and the others around you that you are not the same. So this is a process. It takes time of seeking God every day, asking God to help you know him. That's the priority. That's what Moses did. I want to see you. I want to know you. Tell me who you are. That's what David said. I want to be with you. I want to understand your ways. <coughs> it says David set his heart to seek the Lord. And in Hebrew it says David set his heart to seek and know the Lord continually. The translation. Basically, that was the goal, the reason, the direction of his life. I'm going to keep seeking you as long as I live, and I want to know you more and more. You cannot know the infinite. You cannot understand the love of God because it surpasses any human understanding. But nevertheless, it says, and to know the depth and the heights. And the, you remember? Of the love of God that surpasses. How can you know something that cannot be known? You keep Seeking and getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the point that you become one with God. My father used to pray. You have heard these stories in my sermon, some of you. Day and night. And it was a train apartment. From my sister's bedroom, you'd go to my bedroom. And then you'd go to my parents' bedroom. And then you'd go to the living room. And then you'd go to the kitchen. 
And because I eat often, at 10 p.m. I would go to everybody's room to get to the kitchen. At 2 a.m. I would go to everybody's room to go to the kitchen. And I just had to eat, keep eating, unless I die. I, I need to eat, you know. And so, <coughs> 10, 2 a.m., 5 a.m., everybody was snoring. My father was praying. I said, why do you pray so long? I want to know him. After so much prayer, you don't know him? He says, the more I pray, the more I realize that I don't know him. And I said, okay, and after you know him, he said, you never get to know him. Then why do you pray? Well, I also pray for you. I said, I don't need so much prayer. He says, you see? <laughs> that means that you do need it. And I like water. I would, I'm going to build my house in heaven on water. And my mom would put, when it was hot, summer, a little pool in front of the house and I would get there and I would get in the water and feel good. And every once in a while, it was like 115, every once in a while my, hot, my head got hot. So I would get my head under the water and get refreshed and then get up again. So my father says to me, do you remember how you get under the water to be refreshed? I said, yes. What do you, you want to say? He said, well, where was the water? I said, in the pool. No, 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 related to you. I said, all around me. He says, well, before you get Jesus all around you, you'll never know Jesus. He says, I pray until he is above and under and in front and in back and left and right and surrounds me and I am immersed in him and I just forget me and I am refreshed. That's how you get to know God. You spend more and more and more time not asking a quick prayer but trying to know him and asking him, like David, he set his mind to seek and know the Lord. And he says, a day in your house is better than a thousand. He had a passion for God. He says, when I am with you, I don't need food. I don't need water. In a dry land, I don't even need water. In the wilderness, in the desert, it's hot and crazy, only sand. I don't need water. It's all I need is you. <clears throat> That's how you know God. When you do that, without, every, without any zero human effort to change you or your behavior, you are changed. God's presence sanctifies the place. God's presence sanctifies that dirty sand. Take your shoes off because this ground is holy. God's presence sanctifies the sanctuary. When God came, they had to go out. You remember? God's presence sanctifies the Sabbath. Sabbath has 24 hours like any other day. But God's presence makes it holy. God's presence sanctifies you. When you do that, Ellen White says, in Desire of Ages, as we contemplate God, his character, his love, his sacrifice, by contemplating, by beholding, she says, we are transformed into his image without knowing, without human effort. Change doesn't happen when you do it. Change happens by spending time in God's presence without doing or knowing. It just happens because he is there. And so that's how you get to know God and to spend time with him. Okay, we had two questions. No more, yes? Let's start. <coughs> Excuse me. Now it's out. <laughs> 
And so, I was talking to a guy, and I gave a prayer seminar, and he lives in Turin, Italy. And then he called me over the phone, and he said, I prayed, and nothing happened. And I said to him, you pray to happen. Start, stop praying to happen. Pray to know. It went like that over his head. Because he called me like next day and he says, still nothing happened and I prayed the way you said. <laughs> I said, you don't listen. Why do you want it to happen? Do you pray for answers or you pray for relationship? Well, I prayed for relationship, but it didn't happen. I said, how do you know? That means that you still monitor results. Stop monitoring God. Let him work in his time, in his way. You don't understand his ways. Stop trying to understand God. Unless you are God, you'll never understand God. Focus on prayer. Focus on knowing him. When he does it, how he does it, you'll never understand. You don't understand how wind works, how... You know, it's, we hardly understand a little about our body and a little about universe. Moreover, understand God. And so I said, stop monitoring what happened when. When God wants you to know something, he'll let you know. Don't worry, he's merciful. Just keep focusing on knowing God. He said, so I said, you, you'll get depressed if nothing happens. You'll get discouraged. And Satan wants you to be discouraged. Stop looking for answers. Stop looking for blessings. Stop looking for miracles. Look for Jesus. We look for the blessing instead of looking for the blesser. And so he said, uh, how do you do that? I said, again. You look for methods. Look for the one who makes the methods. <clears throat> Just spend time with him. Spend time with his word. And I told him a little how to pray, how to study. Well, he called me like a month later, two months later. And I just hated him because he kept calling. Uh, when you get 100 phone calls and about 70 emails a day that you don't even have time to read them, moreover to answers, to answer. And some people talk forever and say nothing and you don't even know what they want to say. It's just, they feel the need to talk to somebody and they just found me, you know. And so I, just, I said, just, just say what you want. Oh, just wait, wait. And they keep going and going and it's just, oh. And so... I told him, I said, again, okay, what do you want? He said, well, uh, I prayed and God didn't talk. I said, God doesn't talk when you tell him to talk. He talks whenever he wants. Don't look for talk. Just keep praying. Make it the breath of the soul. Well, how long do you seek God? All your life. You'll never get to know him. In heaven, you'll continue to seek him. You'll see him face to face and you'll not fully understand him. To understand God, you must be God. You cannot fully understand the infinite. As long as you are finite, you know? And so I told him, just keep learning. Go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. He says, that never ends. I said, finally, somebody listens. <laughs> he says, well, that takes commitment. Yes. He said, oh, I don't know if I... <laughs> I don't know if I, after two months, he, I don't know if I can do that. Then don't call me. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to try. I said, praise the Lord, he finally got it. 
you preach two years to somebody and they still do the same routine. He called me about two months later, altogether about four months or more or less. He says, you know, it started to happen. <laughs> I said, okay. God started to lead me and I started to distinguish his voice among the voices in my head. And everybody around says that I am crazy. I said, that's the way, brother. Now we talk. <laughs> because the wisdom of the gospel is foolishness for the Greeks and the Hebrews. They are looking either for science or for miracles. None of them for relationship. Everybody wants something. And he says, it started to happen. I said, praise the Lord. Another one. Good. And then I said, okay. Anything? He says, no, just daily small steps. That's how it starts. God is not going to give you something too big that you cannot handle. But keep doing it. He's teaching you now, growing your faith. He said, okay. He called me another two, three months later. He says, God, talk to me. I hate you. I said, why? God asked me to give up my business. He says, how am I going to live? I said, did I tell you to give up your business? I said, God told you you can hate God, not me. He said, I cannot hate God. But you hate me. He says, oh, well, no, but I just cannot stand it. I said, you cannot stand God. No. I said, hey, be honest with yourself. God told you to quit your business and you cannot stand what? To do what God says. Basically, it's too much for you. He said, yep. Well, tell God, Lord, this is too much for me. Can I? Sure you can. God knows it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you go in the bottom of the ocean and hide. That's foolishness. I said, talk to him about it. He says, you mean it? Just talk to him about everything. That's prayer, brother. <laughs> it's not when you say the formula. He says, uh-huh. Okay. He called me again. He says, you know, he will not give me peace before I give up everything. But he didn't tell me to be a pastor. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, not everybody can sing in the choir. Even the dogs are going to bark and run if everybody sings in the choir. Not everybody can fix computers. Not everybody can be a mechanic. They will make a mess. God gave you a gift. Use it. He called me again. If everybody would call me so many times, I would kill them. And I said, what now? God told me to go to Ukraine. It was during the war, the beginning of the war in Ukraine. To go to Ukraine and deliver help, clothing and food and for people that don't have a house anymore. Or, and then God told me after that to build a, an orphanage in this country and then to build a, a nursing home for the elderly in this country and to do this and that. And he says, God keeps telling me doing big stuff. And he says, I am small. I said, brother, when you go to God with a plan and ask God for a blessing, you will never get it regardless how good the plan may seem to be. When God gives you the plan, you don't need to worry about resources. He will give them to you more than you can handle, but always in the last moment. So I said, don't worry about it. He says, okay, okay. I take your word for it. I said, no, don't take my word. Take the Bible. And so he said, I go to Ukraine. He told the church, God inspired me to go to Ukraine. Somehow, it poured with help and, and junk. You know, people have their garage and their 
attic and their basement full of junk that they never use. They have five years since they moved and they still didn't open the boxes, you know? And they keep buying, but they never use it because they are addicted. They buy stuff that they cannot use. Give it away. If you didn't use it for one year, you don't need it. Give it away. No, I cannot. Yeah, sure. And so people brought stuff. God impressed them and they brought stuff. And he filled three 18-wheelers. Can you imagine how much stuff from one church? Three 18-wheelers. Imagine how nice their homes looked after cleaning the house. <laughs> three 18-wheelers. He talked to two other families. Six people all together drove three 18-wheelers. Two days and two nights from Italy to the border of Ukraine. They got to the border. They wanted to cross the border to give the stuff to a church that would give it to the people in the war. Well, well, well. The captain at the border said, you are not allowed. You can have two suitcases per person. Everything else, you pay two euros per kilogram. Imagine! Those three 18-wheelers, how much they weigh? You pay two euros, that's around almost three dollars, to around 280 or close to three dollars per kilogram, you pay a treasure. You know? He says, please let me go, please. The guy, mm -mm, law is law, you cannot go. He calls me from the border with Ukraine. <laughs> and he says, I can, uh, God told me to go and now they don't let me go, so what should I do? said, did I send you there? <laughs> no. Then go to prayer. I did. I said, no, you obviously didn't. Because if you did, you would be in prayer right now. If you call me, it means you prayed a short prayer. How long should I pray? Until you get an answer. You told me not to look for answers. <laughs> I said, yeah, but God told Elijah to pray for rain. Therefore, he prayed until rain came. You should not look for answers when you decide what to pray for. When God tells you what to pray for, then you keep praying it. You confuse your plan with God's plans. Stop praying for your plan. Keep praying for God's plan. Ah, oh, you never told me that. <laughs> he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then no answer, so he devised an answer. He put a 100 euro bill in the passport. He went to the captain of the customs. He said, check my passport. <laughs> the guy checked it. He says, I would love to take it. That's two months my salary. However, I'm not going to take it. I can lose my freedom. And if you try again, you lose your freedom. He said, no is no. Get away. He calls me. I did try to bribe him. <laughs> and it doesn't work. I said, why would you do that? Did God tell you to do that? No. Duh. <laughs> and I said, stop helping God. Stop thinking low about God. Because when you help God, you think that he is incompetent and incapable. I said, keep praying. And what if God doesn't say anything? Go home. Well, God sent me here. Yes! So many stories in the Bible where God sent them and then he did contrary to his plan. Because when you follow God, the road to fulfillment always in the Bible goes in the wrong direction. 
according to the human wisdom. I'm going to put you over your brothers. No, God put him in prison. First, do you understand? When God works, before he can use you, he has to break you. Until you are nothing. When you are collapsed and nothing, then he can use you. And that part is the part that we don't like. And so I told him, if he doesn't tell you what to do next, you go home and you keep praying. You don't give up. He prayed and prayed and prayed. And he got discouraged and they left the three 18-wheelers in three storage rooms. They unloaded, rented three storage rooms and they went home without an answer. They went home and they called the local pastor from Ukraine. This is the combination of the luck. Go and get your stuff. The pastor took six retired people because they had a little more time, plus the pastor seven, each one two suitcases, that's 14. They crossed the border, went to the storage room, filled 14 suitcases, crossed the border again. Next day, crossed the border, 14 suitcases, <laughs> crossed the border again. Next day, 14 suitcases, crossed the border again. The, the captain at the custom says, you are crazy. Three 18-wheelers is going to take you forever. How much money do you make with that stuff? And the pastor says, we don't sell it. Then what do you do with it? We give it to the poor. For nothing? Uh-huh. Nobody does that. Everybody wants, everybody has an agenda. Strings, there is nothing for free. You want to get something from them. He says, no, 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 no. We want to be like Jesus. We don't want anything from them. We just want to love them. No, no, no. You want to make them come to your church. And he said, well, that's tempting, but no. Jesus healed all ten and only one came back. Nevertheless, he loved them enough to heal them. We love them enough to help them. And the captain at the customs looked to him and said, nobody loves anybody that way. I wish that was real. And the pastor said, that's what we do. And that's what we pray for day and night, to love people more than we love self, to the point that we forget our needs. He says, I, did, I took nothing from this help. I keep giving it away, and there is not enough help as many people as I have to help. And the captain said, I wish that was real. And the pastor started to tell him, this is how Jesus works. He has mercy on people that don't deserve it. He gives them sunshine and blessings. He answers to their prayer when he knows that they will sin and rebel against. He, and he went on and on. And the captain says, that's better than the religion my parents told me. It was all a bunch of forms. I was not allowed to do anything. Everything was wrong. Do you understand? And the, cap, the pastor kept telling him about a real Christ-focused religion. And the guy says, then explain me what happens to people when they die. So the captain gave him a Bible study on the state of the dead. Next day, when they crossed the border with 14 suitcases, the captain said, how is going to be the second coming and when? When do we need to start preparing? So the pastor gave him a Bible study on the second coming. Next day, another three soldiers from the customs joined. Next day, another seven. Altogether, 11 plus the captain, 12 soldiers during the two, three months period of 14 suitcases a day. Uh, they went through all 28 Bible studies. At the end of the two months, the captain said, you don't need to take two suitcases at a time. Bring trucks, 
take everything. Now I am one of you. Eleven out of twelve got baptized. The pastor called Fanny in, oh, I told his name, called the guy in Italy, and he <laughs> called the guy in Italy, and he called me crying. I thought God didn't answer my prayer. I was looking for a momentary answer, but God answered better than I prayed. Not only that they got the help, but they got baptized. If God allowed me to cross the border, they would not have been baptized. And then he built an orphanage, and then he built a nursing home. If you knew how he got the money for the orphanage. I mean, he went there to the hotel and prayed six days and six nights. And in the seventh day, an architect came and gave him the blueprints, knocked in the hotel door. When he had the blueprint, somebody from former Yugoslavia came and said, my business is prospering, God inspired me to give you 2.5 million euros. <laughs> yep. It's, can you believe that? I cannot go in details because I didn't ask permission. But listen. <laughs> but, but, but listen. What if we spent more time with God to get to know him? Can you imagine what would happen with, in our lives, with our families, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, if we had a real power religion? Can you even grasp it? Because it's beyond our human understanding. When you pray for something and God would push the sun 10 hours back, split the sea, resurrect the dead. Can you grasp it? Well, stories. We need to go to a sermon. But <laughs> uh, Only five minutes? No time for a sermon. <laughs> Let's take one more question. Do you have questions? Folks, it's so good. I, I, I slept for one hour. Oh, I, what a blessing. You again? Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Come on. Oh, no. That's... He asked about my book. It's called One Miracle After Another. I don't have it. I don't have it. And I don't sell it. I have to buy my own book myself if I want it. How do I truly get to the listening part? And I'm sure I'm listening to the of God That's a good question. So, about my book, ABC Stores or Amazon? Yeah? About listening, that's a tough one. It takes about one hour and a half, two hours to answer. That's a tough one. Because how do you make sure that it is God's voice? Because there are voices. Can be your voice. You ate too much pizza last night. <laughs> can be Satan's voice. And can be God's voice. Or can be somebody's voice that put it in your head. Like you listen to a song too many times. And then you cannot get it out of your head. It keeps repeating. You know? So how do you make sure that you listen to God's voice and how do you li literally listen? So, first, the Bible says that we should listen. Real friendship is based on real communication. Real communication happens both ways. When somebody only talks and never listens, that's not a friend. Secondly, in the Bible, all over the Bible, God wants to talk. He communicates with his children and his sheep know his voice. 
Number three. And God says that. God says that. In fact, in Psalm, he says, in the morning I lay my request before you, and then I wait in expectation. But in Hebrew, he says, I listen in expectation. You are supposed to wait before the Lord and to listen. Anyway, so, how do you listen? Listening is not as people think. Emptying your brain, focusing on nothing, that's stupid meditation. Real meditation is when you focus on God, focus on his world. Not empty yourself, but feel your... If you empty yourself, some strange spirits are going to come there about... I don't know how many of them. You feel yourself with God that there is no more room to put something. It bubbles over. You don't empty yourself. Okay? God and his word. How do you listen? Number one, you need... And by the way, Elena says, God doesn't need to be informed. Our prayers, she says, quote, are not to inform God. He knows better than we know. In fact, he can tell you more about your problem than you know about your own problem. Because God sees the big picture, sees the past and the future. God knows. He doesn't need to be informed. And so, our prayers, when you tell God, you don't, don't tell God to inform him, but you tell him to give him permission to work. Now, how do you listen? Number one, we should never hurry when we pray. There is no time to listen. God may impress you somehow. God may... Number two, don't look for a voice. Because God doesn't talk then necessarily. He heard you and he will answer when the time comes. The problem is not if God doesn't talk. The problem, if you don't keep listening, you listen only now instead of continually. You need to remain in God's presence to walk in a heavenly atmosphere, to be in this world but not of this world, to be a heaven citizen while you live here. You need to live in heaven. Do you follow me? You cannot live in heaven when Jesus comes unless you learn to live in heaven now. You need to live in heaven now to the point that you are continually communing with God. The spirit of prophecy says in the book prayer in the very last chapter that we need to be in continual connection and communion with God. Never separate. Without him we are nothing. When we separate we are nothing. John 15. We need to be connected continually to the vine. Do you follow me? And so, number two, you stay in a continual connection, continually listening. Because he may talk now or he may talk two hours or two days later. Whenever he talks, if you didn't listen, you lose it. But if you keep listening, when the voice says, Samuel, you say, here I am. Do you follow me? Number three, you don't do listening just by being quiet. You do listening by studying the word. Prayer and the Bible study go together. It's so clear. It's so clear. Day and night I meditate upon your word. It's so clear. Ellen White says, prayer and Bible study cannot, she says, cannot be separated. We make prayer. Prayer and Bible study, Bible study. They cannot. Because when you talk, 
God needs to answer. So you read his word because most of the time God, God talks through many ways. God talks through providence. God talks through uh, people. God talks through uh, a voice. God talks through dreams, through visions. But God mostly talks through his word. That's the reason. Didn't ever happen to you that when you pray and then study, God answers in the study to the very problem you prayed for? In fact, sometimes with the very words I prayed for. Like, I pray, I am in Dubai, I say, Lord, I don't even know what to tell these people. And then I open the Bible, not somewhere, but wherever I stopped yesterday to continue my daily devotional. And as I open the first Bible verse, I will put my word in your mouth, don't worry about what you will say. And I was speechless for a few seconds, I said, thank you. And then I continued... You, you mix, Eleanor says, prayer and study. And she says, through study, we give God the chance to talk back to us. Now, how do you do prayer and study? You don't read a lot. I read five chapters today. To do your duty so you feel good. That's selfishness routine. If you didn't get anything, then stop studying. It doesn't help you. You study a little because spiritual things need to be understood spiritually. Therefore, the Holy Spirit that he inspired the writing needs to inspire the reader. So you understand what he meant. Therefore, you stop over that one Bible verse or two or that paragraph and you pray over it and say, Lord, what do you mean? And then read it again, the same Bible verse. And then you stop again and pray again and say, Lord, please help me understand it. And then... You read it again, and then you think about it, and digest it, and chew it, and try to ask questions. And listen, this is a key. The more questions you ask, the better chances to hear it you have. Basically, there is no wrong question. Unless you ask 10 or more. In my experience, I always ask an average of 15 questions or more. Unless you ask a bunch of nonsense questions, you'll never understand. What if I was there? If God told me to build an ark, would I? What would my wife say? What would the church say? What would the conference say? They will send me to psychologist. <laughs> Listen, it never rained before. You build an ark for what? For rain. What is rain? Water coming from heaven. He is crazy. Where do you put it? On the mountain. Don't you know that water goes down in the valley? Why do you put the ark on the mountain? He is crazy. Basically, you need to keep Asking questions. What did that happen in my life, in my family, in my church? What if I was there? What is this word? Go to every single word, every little conjunction. Why? There is every word in the Bible is like gold, is measured, has value. What is this word here? Lord, what does it mean? And after you ask questions, pray again over it and read it again. And then take other passages in the Bible that talk about the same story and read them because the Bible explains itself a little here, a little there. And then take the spirit of prophecy with the same story and read it. And then see if the archaeologist says something or the Bible commentary says something about the same story and read it. And you, it takes two, three hours to read two verses if you do that. Do you understand? I took two verses from Galatians and I did that and it took me two weeks to finish two verses and I wrote 45 pages on two verses. When you do that, those two verses, you don't need to be smart. You can be foolish. You still memorize them if you read them like 50 times. <laughs> but after you read those two verses, 
You understand deep the story, the context, the background, what happened there. You understand what they meant. And then tomorrow you do the same. And then tomorrow you do the same. And this next day you do the same. After five years, guess what? It keeps adding up like the snowball. After a month, you know nothing. But after five years, you know hundreds of Bible verses by memory. If you put in two verses every day. Do you follow me? And then it's like any subject you read, it starts connecting. Because all the paragraphs that you read about that subject come together. And whenever you talk to people, they ask you a question, it all comes together. And it says that the Holy Spirit would remind you. That means that you have to memorize. Because if you didn't, there is nothing to remind it says, I hide thy word into my heart that I may not sin against you. But in Hebrew it says, I store thy word. That means that you memorize it. So the Holy Spirit, when you have problems, when you are tempted, when you go through trials, the Holy Spirit would remind you the very word that you need to get strength. But if you didn't put it in, there is nothing to give you strength and victory. Do you understand? And so that's how you listen. And that takes time. Takes commitment. And you do that every day. It's going to change your life entirely. That's how you pray. I mix my prayers with study and thinking. You can call it meditating or reflecting or thinking. I'm not talking about stupid oriental meditation. I'm talking about chewing the word. Do you follow me? I mix the prayer with the study. Not a lot of study. A little. But you do it deeply so you can get something out of it. You follow me? Okay, you got more than you bargained for. Let's take a five, ten minutes break and then continue. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.